Welcome to Victory Christian Center's audio podcast. We hope this message encourages you, and we look forward to connecting with you on social media or FCCFMD.com. If you really believe that God is awesome, are you living like it? Are you living like your God is awesome? I mean, come on, if he is awesome, if he can move mountains, if he is provider, deliverer, redeemer, savior of the world, then our lives should reflect what we say we believe. Amen. Amen. I am so excited to be here. I know that um, Pastor Ashley is going to have her socks blessed right off of her feet, let me yeah. just tell you. This retreat that she is going to, I had the privilege of attending last year, and it was so encouraging, so refreshing, so renewing of my spirit. When I came back, I was on fire again for the Lord. <laughs> it's going to be a blessing to you for blessing her to go. And I am so excited that um, she invited me to share again this um, series that we're doing. But before we get to that series, I want to ask you again, do you really believe those words we were singing this morning? Do you not just say it, believe it in your mind, but do you believe it in your heart? Because as we will see today, if we believe it in our mind, that's one thing. We can tend to wander away from it. We can tend to have our mind overwhelmed with the thoughts and theologies and the ways of this world. But if we believe it in our heart, we have a stamina, we have a hope, that is beyond any that this world can offer. Amen. So anybody know what a futurologist is? A futurologist is someone who uses scientific methods to determine what's going to happen in our future in society. And futurologists are now predicting that those who are born in our age could possibly live to be 150 years old. I think there's a scripture that says the longest that the Lord will let anyone live is 120, but I'm not 100% sure about that. You might want to check me on that. <laughs> but that's what futurologists are predicting, that the people who are born now will have the capacity to live 150 years. Wire Magazine predicted a few things that we've already passed those predictions, and as far as I know, they have not come true. They predicted that by 2018, there would be meal replacement patches Kind of like those patches for when you want to quit smoking, you know? But meal replacement patches that humans would be using to get their nutrition and, and um, to be able to fuel their bodies. And that by 2020, the year of our pandemic, that there would be a new currency introduced to the world, and that currency would be used for purchases in outer space. Yeah, I mean, that's a futurologist prediction based on the economy and trends. And sometimes those predictions can be off, right? Yeah. They're, they're just a little off. But there are those that don't use a scientific method. There are a lot of people, a lot, and when I was younger, I fell into this realm, people who believe that there are astrological signs that control their fortune, that control their future, and so they look to their horoscope every day. They look to their horoscope. Sometimes they won't even make a move or a decision until they've checked that horoscope. What's my future hold? What's my day going to hold? Based on how the sun, moon, and stars are aligning with the earth. Well, hello. Who is it that holds?
holds the sun, moon, and stars in his hand? Who is it that made the sun, moon, and stars and this earth? Who formed every human being that has ever been born? Doesn't he know what our future holds? Doesn't he know the past, the present, and the future? If we believe what we just sang, if we believe what we say we believe in our heart, then our hope is going to be sure about our future. Because our hope will be rooted in him. So the question that you need to ask yourself today is, what do you hope for today? What do you hope for? Winston Churchill has been known to say that we have to look at our past to predict the future. But I say we look to none other than Jesus, the creator of heaven and earth, one who is the great I am, who was and is and is to come. He knows the future. We don't need to look at the past other than to maybe, hopefully, learn from our mistakes. So what do you hope in today? There are those who have a misplaced hope in their own strength. You know, the, as I used to believe that I had to be disciplined enough, I could lose weight and I could get in shape if I just disciplined myself enough, if I had enough self-control, which, hey, that's a fruit of the Spirit if you're a believer. But when you're relying on your own strength, just like that bucket you saw in that video, there's a lid. And that lid is my capacity. Because if I'm relying on my own strength for my future to be what I want it to be, I'm limited to my capacity. And I heard a story that just blew my mind away, but I, it's been verified, it's a true story, about a woman who depended on her wealth for her future. You know, there are a lot of people who think if they can just get enough money, they'll get ahead. They'll be able to have the, the aspirations and dreams come true because if they just have enough money, they can get all the trinkets they want. They can buy all the equipment they need. They can do everything they want to do if they just had enough wealth in the bank. And there's a story about a woman whose petrified body was found just outside of the, um, oh, I can't remember right now what the name of this town was. You'll know it as soon as I say it. Pompeii. Now, the Vesuvius in AD 79 erupted. And this woman whose petrified body was found when a new excavation was taking place in that city, it was a Roman city port. She was running out of the city. Her body was actually found outside of the city. And yet, because she was relying on her wealth for her fortune and for her future, she ended up being buried under all of the volcanic ash. Along with her petrified body were all the jewels that she went back to get to carry with her. She was relying on her wealth to save her, to ensure her future. And if we rely on our wealth to ensure our future, we will be sadly mistaken. Think about it, the description of heaven. I just had this conversation with my grandson about a week or so ago. He asked me, are the streets really made of gold in heaven? I mean, what is our trinket when we go to a place where the streets are paved with gold? They pale in comparison. Don't put your hope in your wealth because you will be sorely disappointed when we enter into the kingdom of heaven. In fact, Jesus warned us to not put our hope in our wealth. And Paul reminded us in his writings to not put our hope in our wealth. 
And then there's a third misplaced hope that I see in practice today, even in the church, and that is in power. If I just have enough influence, I can control and manipulate the situation. If I have enough power assigned to me, whether it's in a position at work or in the family or even in the church, if I have the influence to manipulate someone else's mind, that's like the ultimate power. That is actually something that we humans in our flesh strive for, whether we realize it or not. We want to be in control. Hello. <laughs> Any other control freaks out there? <laughs> you, you want to be in control. And the authority and the power to manipulate someone else is a big influence. That is like the ultimate rush to a person. And I know we don't ever want to really admit this is a human trait, but it really is. And it takes humility to admit it. I found out this week as I was preparing for this message that October is an awareness month. Who knows what it is? Anybody? Breast cancer awareness? Well, I knew that one already. There's another awareness. What is it? Fire prevention? Might be, I don't know. But I do know domestic violence awareness month. Domest I didn't know there was such a thing. Domestic Violence Awareness Month. When I was in graduate school, I did a study on domestic violence in Christian homes. And I can tell you, it is very sad to report this, just like marriage and divorce follows right along with the trends of society, so does domestic violence and abuse. One in five women will be raped in their lifetime. Six, seven women here today Chances are one out of these women have experienced rape. Talk about domestic violence. Talk about abuse. It gets even worse when you look at physical violence against a woman in the home. One in four. One in four will experience a slap, a brush against the wall, a push, a physical assault on their body because of someone else, typically their husband or their boyfriend if they're not married yet, pushing their power on them, to control them, to manipulate them. It gets even worse when you look at the atrocity of the power abuse of intellectual, spiritual, and emotional abuse. One in three, that means probably two of us have experienced in our lifetime, in our home, where we're supposed to be safe, an abuse of power. Because we're putting our hope in a human being to be our partner, to help us to get from here to there, to secure our future. Because putting a hope in a person tends to be the habit that we humans fall into, that cycle repeats itself very often. So many times, victims put their, their hope in peace and unconditional love and acceptance in their spouses only to be disappointed because they're manipulated by the authority and by the power that is given to that person. But we have a hope that is sure. We have a hope that is love and is unconditional. We have a hope and his name is Jesus. Amen. We don't hope today as the world hopes if we are a follower of Jesus. We hope in him. And our blessed 
hope is completely based on Jesus and what he has made possible for us here on earth today. We've been doing this building block series, the building blocks of our faith. I am going to quickly review the first 12. We have the scripture is inspired, the one true God, the Lord, deity of our Lord Jesus Christ, the fall of man, which we have all fallen, hello. We are born into sin, Adam and Eve did not have their first child until after sin entered this world. We are all born into sin. And then, thank you, Jesus, we have the salvation of man. The ordinances of church that Jesus instituted and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, who is our strength. He is our surety and he is our strength. The initial physical evidence of speaking in tongues, allowing the Holy Spirit to take control of our physical body. The physical evidence of praying in that prayer language. Sanctification. You know, just because we receive Jesus and we have been filled with this Holy Spirit and we even speak in an unknown, lung, an unknown tongue or language or prayer language does not mean that we have everything together. We are constantly being sanctified, changed more and more into His image. And then we saw that there's the church and its mission. Our mission is to share this good news. The ministry of the church, how we go about doing that by fellowshipping with one another, encouraging one another, and sharing the gospel message, and making disciples. That means we don't just make converts. We get into the nitty-gritty ugly, and we share lives together. The ministry of the church. And we saw one of the divine healing, one of our core foundational beliefs in the Assemblies of God. Sorry, my slide went ahead. We have another 13th fundamental truth that we believe, a building block of our faith. And there's a testimony I'm going to share with you from a lady named Debbie Smith that will tell you a little bit about this building block. When I think about the second coming, I remember the stories I was told as a child in Sunday school. I was told I never wanted to be the one left behind. At the age of 14, mom dies and leaves four children behind. And I heard a number of people saying, aren't you sad? And my sisters and my brother and I would sit there and say, no, because she's in heaven with Jesus. And someday, we're going to go see her. I was in a youth meeting, and our youth pastor had a special thing. It was the Tonight Show. And then it was time for the special guest. And all the lights were off, and there was a spotlight on him, and he was reading the Bible. And it was of the special guest. And the special guest Bible read, he turned water into wine. He raised the dead. He healed. And he has a promise that he would come back, and he's back. And my heart pounded. And I thought, oh Jesus. And not only is he back for me, but I get to see mom and my naughty. Between the time that mom died, I lost a child. And someday, I'm going to have a baby. And someday, I'm going to play with him. Can you imagine what it's truly going to feel like when he comes again? And he walks, and in the twinkling of an eye, you'll be taken. 
our fourth core doctrine that we believe is the second coming of Jesus. What greater hope can we possibly have than that he who was predicted in the Old Testament as the Lamb of God, the sacrificial offering for the sins of the world, would return as the victorious, conquering Lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the one and the same. And he has promised he will come back. Let's look at that scripture again. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then, we will be with the Lord forever. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your faithfulness to us. Jesus, we thank you that you were willing to be that sacrificial lamb, to come to earth and to bear the sins of every single human being upon your own back. Jesus, we thank you for that cross where you took upon yourself the shame of our guilt. Jesus, we thank you for your faithfulness and being obedient to the plan that you and the Father had from the beginning of time. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit, for the resurrection power in Jesus, and for the hope that we have for our future. Give us ears to hear what you have to say today, Lord Jesus. Give us eyes to see from your perspective, and give us, Lord, most of all, hearts that are good soil, where your word can take root and can produce the fruit that you desire in our lives. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. So there's a word that we call this second coming of Jesus, actually the rapture. There are phases to this second coming of Jesus. And the first phase is known to us Pentecostals as the rapture. Now the word rapture, if you go to your Bible concordance, you are not going to find it. So that's where a lot of confusion comes in, when people are, are new believers and they're studying the Bible and they're hearing about this rapture and this promise of rapture going to heaven, and yet they don't see it in the English translation of their Bible. Well, there's a reason for that. Because the word rapture means what it says, we will be raptured. But when you look at the root of the word, I looked it up on dictionary.com. The first meaning, of course, in our English language is ecstatic joy, right? An expression of utter delight. But when you go digger, digging deeper into the root, the Latin root and the Greek root of this particular word, the carrying of another person to another place or a sphere. The carrying of one person to another place or sphere of existence. And then the dictionary also says the rapture, when you put the word the in front of it. The experience anticipated by fundamentalist Christians of meeting Christ midway in the air upon his return to earth. The archaic original meaning of rapture is the act of carrying off. And when you dig even deeper into this word in 1 Thessalonians um, Verse 17, chapter 4, verse 17, where you see caught up in the clouds, the Greek, the Greek word that Paul is using in this letter is talking about seizing with force 
we will be seized with force. And you know what? The whole point isn't the force. It isn't the seizing. The whole point is the authority of Jesus, that we will be reunited with him. We will be made one with him. We will be reunited. And nothing of this world can stop it from happening. His force, his power, his strength and authority are what we base our hope on. Not on our own. Because if we depend on our own, boy, we're going to be sorely disappointed. I like what one Greek dictionary um, put in their definition of this Greek word that says caught up in English. To snatch out or away, to rescue from danger of destruction. The use of divine power. Transferring a person marvelously and swiftly. It's the same word that was used when uh, the Apostle Paul was caught up into paradise. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he tells us how he was caught up. He was divinely moved into the presence of God, into paradise. And he heard astounding things, things that you cannot even express with your human tongue. Wow. The same word used when Philip... The Apostle Philip was used when he was caught up, snatched away, when he had been preaching, explaining the scriptures to the eunuch and then baptizing him out in the middle of nowhere because he wanted to follow Jesus. And the Holy Spirit said, I got another assignment for you, Philip, here. (laughs) Snatched him away, moved him away, forcefully, suddenly exercised. We don't know the moment, we don't know the day. Are we ready, though? Are we looking for him? Because that is our blessed hope, this second coming of Jesus. All of those uh, technical definitions and explanations of the, the original languages give us this hope. And why do we, Assemblies of God, people call this our blessed hope? Go back to verse 13 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died, so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believed that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. What victory there is in death. Isn't that an oxymoron? Death, our greatest grief on this side of eternity. I'll be preaching at a funeral this coming weekend. Our greatest grief when we lose a spouse, when we lose a child, a sibling, the greatest grief we know. And yet that is where our greatest victory lies if we are a follower of Jesus. Because we are passing from this life into our eternal life. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Look at Romans 8.23. We believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he's promised us. See, it's in the physical death of this body that is tainted by sin. Even though Jesus sees us washed in his robe of righteousness, once we've accepted him as the way, the truth, and the life, our bodies still have to be sanctified. We still struggle 
with our wanting our way, wanting to be in control, wanting to have that power and influence over others. That is our human nature that we still struggle with because we're on this side of eternity in these bodies that are decaying because of sin. Our greatest victory, our greatest win, is when we are entering into the very throne room of our God. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. See, hope in Jesus is a hope of resurrection. When we pass away and our bodies are, are lying in the ground, our spirit is with the Lord, but yet we will be transformed when he returns. And those who are still alive will join in that transformation and receive their body that is no longer tainted by sin, but it is the way God designed it, his original design. The source of that exuberant joy is our hope in Jesus. What greater hope is there than someone who's already proven his authority, someone who's already proven his unconditional love for us. He's proven to us in his life that he lived here on earth. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of, our, of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First the believers who have died will raise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth, will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. We get a little glimpse of eternity today. There are moments when I am in the presence of my precious Lord. And I get a glimpse of eternity with his peace that passes all understanding, with his joy beyond anything expressible. There are moments and glimpses where we will experience the full glory of the Lord when Jesus returns as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. In the next verse, the hope of resurrection we are told to encourage each other with these words. We are told that our body goes to sleep, but our soul is alive and active in the presence of the Lord. And we are to encourage one another with these words. I want to take that thought of encouraging one another a little bit further. Paul says again in 2 Corinthians 5.8 that we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be at home with the Lord. You see, this hope of resurrection is also a hope of transformation. We don't have to stay stuck in the model of being dependent on our own strength. We don't have to stay stuck in the model of being dependent on earning enough money to do all that we want to do, to acquire everything that we think we need. We don't have to stay stuck in the pattern of putting hope in our power and our influence over others or the power of another person to take care of us. We can be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit living in us when we put our faith and our hope and our trust in Jesus. There's transformational hope. This blessed hope should actually inspire us to live a holy life. 
Not just sit here and just wait for Jesus to come back and twiddle our thumbs and say, well, it was me. It's the world was turning to hell in a handbasket. And let me tell you, it really is. The violence that's escalating. The, the, the people that are so easily provoked and offended now. How dare you say that my skin is purple? Well, I'm sorry, but if your skin is purple, it's purple. I met somebody yesterday who might actually, my niece, who was cutting birthday cake and her skin was blue. It looked purple. It's a fact. Don't change it. Don't be offended because I simply state your skin is purple. But today, people are so easily offended and so easily provoked to anger and hostility. We are living a transformational hope in Jesus, truly believing what we sang about, truly believing that he is coming again then we should be living a life that is holy because our God is holy. Not because we've got a list of things to check off that we can be, yes, we can do this, no, we can't do that, yes, we can do this, no, we can't do that. John and I used to believe you couldn't play cards because that's what his grandparents taught him. No, you can't play cards, you're the devil. I'm sorry, but cards are just a game, hello, invented by a human being. <laughs> we used to believe there were so many things that you could and could not do, and as long as you followed that criteria... You were living a holy life. Guess what? God says he looks at the heart of man. He doesn't look at the activity. Your activity is assigned to other human beings of what's in your heart. But God, he sees your heart. He knows what you truly believe. Are you living a holy life because you believe that Jesus will come back, he will claim his bride without spot or wrinkle, and he will take his rightful place as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Having a hope in Jesus and his return changes everything about how we live our life now. It should infuse us every moment of our life, no matter how difficult things might be. It should infuse us with a hope that does not make sense to other people. The testimony of Debbie Smith. People ask, why aren't you sad? Your mom's died. You're only 14. Because she had a hope in the resurrection power, the second coming of Christ, and that her faith in Jesus would reunite her not only with him, but with her mother one day yes. in eternity. We have that hope. It should change how we look at life. We should live every day as if he's returning today doing what he would want us to be doing. There used to be, I don't know what, I guess in the 70s or 80s maybe, these very popular bracelets and, and jewelry and, and t-shirts and billboards, uh, bumper stickers, everywhere you look. Well, WWJD, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do today? Do you ask yourself, am I doing what Jesus would do? That was just a slogan that caught popularity, but guess what? That should be our holy living every day, whether it's popular in society or not. Are we living that way? It should motivate us to live a holy life so that we are ready for his return. Not only so that we are ready for his return, so, but also so that we are living a generous life, sharing his good news. Are you sharing his good news with your family today? Those who have misplaced their hope in their own strength and been disappointed. 
Those who have misplaced their hope in their wealth, and they have all the riches, and yet they don't have contentment in their heart because they're still struggling with their flesh. Those who have replaced hope in the one true God with the things of this world. See, our generous living, we should be living a lifestyle, not only that is holy because he is holy, but a lifestyle that is generous because he gave everything. He gave everything. We looked at that video and we saw all the giving the resources, giving money, giving time. He gave his life. What greater love is that? What greater sacrifice than to give your life? There is no one more generous than our loving God who gave his very life so that we can walk around with a hope for a future that will last into eternity that will be filled with his unconditional love and peace. We have a responsibility to share it. Look at what Jude wrote in verse 17. He gives us three musts in verses 17 through 25. We must do these things if we are followers of Jesus. Because if we don't, I wonder if we truly are committed to him in our heart. How committed are we? He says, but you, my dear friends, must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ predicted. See, they were the true futurologists because the Holy Spirit revealed a few things to them so that we would have them to be prepared for his return. They told you that in the last times there would be scoffers, whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's spirit in them. But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith, praying in the power and the Holy Spirit, and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life in this way. You will keep yourself safe in God's love. And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. Now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All the glory to him who alone is God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time, and in the present, and beyond all time. Amen. We must remember what the apostles taught. It did not take long for Satan to infiltrate the church, to give lies, to cause doubt, to cause division, to cause people to, fall, to falsely accuse others of wrongdoing, of false teachings, infiltrated less than a hundred years after Jesus ascended into heaven. And he continues today to infiltrate the church and to try to deceive and dissuade the followers of Jesus to believing the lies of this world, to believe the lie that Jesus is only one way to get into heaven. No, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no person comes to the Father except through me, Jesus alone. He is not just one way into eternity to secure a future. To believe the lies that come into the church that I am better than you. What a lie from the pit of hell to descend 
to cause division among believers. We are brothers and sisters, and no one is less important than the other. We all need each other to encourage one another, because that's the next thing he said we must do. We must build each other up by the power of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, are we encouraging one another when we come together? Are we encouraging one another Monday through Saturday when we're not in the meeting house? Are we encouraging one another in our faith with the Lord? We must be about this according to Jude. And we must be merciful to those who are wondering. I have some relatives who are questioning their faith. They're wondering because of circumstances in their life that cause them to doubt. Circumstances that seem to overwhelm them. And they're wondering, but I'm not beating them over the head with the word of the Lord. Say, thus save the Lord. I can tell you that's been done to me. And that doesn't work. Jesus didn't hit people over the head. He didn't force anyone to follow him. And he didn't command us to force others to convert to following him. He commanded us to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them his ways. That is what he commanded us to do. We are to be merciful. We are to rescue those who have put their hope replacing the one true God with the gods of this world. Replacing the one true God with their own lives and their own minds, their own bank accounts. We are to rescue them, to snatch them, literally snatch them out of the gates of hell by sharing generously Jesus. By sharing his mercy. Demonstrating what his love looks like with every human being. You know, I've been going through the Gospel of John, so I can't do a message without referencing his Gospel, the one whom Jesus loved. In John 14, verses 1 through 3, we see, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my Father's home. Does your heart break for your neighbors? your families? Does your heart break for these empty seats this morning where people should be in here hearing about Jesus and how much he loves them? There's more than enough room in his father's home. If it were not so, what I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. What do you hope for today? Are you allowing the distractions of this world to get your hope off of the return of Jesus Christ? The hope for eternity. He's getting our home ready. Home that will last way beyond 100 years. If you happen to have a nice brick home, maybe it'll last 100 years here on earth. His home will last forever. Forever. Are you getting ready to go to that forever home? Who do you hope in today? If you're not hoping in Jesus, I encourage you to consider hoping in him. Consider the capacity that you have. Consider the capacity that our government has, that the world systems happen to have. 
Yeah, they have a capacity, but it's limited because the sovereign God is the one who is truly in control. And he is the only one who was in the past, is here and now, and he holds the future in his hands. Everybody would close your eyes. I want you to take a few minutes and truly ask the Lord to search you and try you and show you what is in your heart. Because we can deceive ourselves into thinking that our heart is right with the Lord. We can deceive ourselves into thinking, well, I come to church, I've been in this church my whole life, and I've been faithful. I'm good. God and I are good. But he sees what's really in your heart. He sees if there is surrender. He sees if there is a contrite spirit. He sees if you've been washed by his blood. Jesus says, come, follow me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Are you weary from trying to be good enough? Are you weary from trying to do this Christian life on your own? You see, you choose what you do with Jesus, and Jesus determines your future. Lord, search and try each one here. In this moment, Holy Spirit, we ask you to reveal where there are things that we need to commit to you, Jesus. Where we've been self-reliant, where we've been dependent on the systems of this world or on the systems of other people around us. Lord, we confess that's a sin against you because you are the ultimate authority and you told us to trust in you with all of our heart, with all of our mind, and all of our strength, to lean not on our own understanding, but to trust in you. So if you're here today and you know that you need to ask Jesus to be your ultimate authority, you want to ask him into your heart. If you're online, we want to pray with you. If you're here in the building, we want to pray with you because there is power in prayer. He's saying, come, follow me. What is your response? Would you like to say, yes, I will follow you, Jesus? If you do want to say yes, and you've not asked him before to be your God, to be in your heart, you can put a comment online or if you'll raise your hand in the building and we will pray together. It's a simple prayer. He sees our heart. He hears our heart. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, we believe you are who you claim to be, the Son of God, the great I am. And we ask you now to wash us fresh and new by the power of your blood that was shed on the cross. Holy Spirit, quicken us, empower us to live the holy life, the generous life that Jesus commanded us to live as his followers, so that we are ready to enter into that eternal home with him, so that we are able, when we go into his presence, to bow before him in reverence and love and appreciation. 
Hear the words, well done, faithful story. Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your forgiveness. And we thank you for your mercy. And for those, Lord Jesus, who already know you, and yet they know in their heart that they have wandered, they've listened to the attractive things of this world. There are those among us, Lord Jesus, who have allowed the distractions to, let, to misplace our hope, forgetting to put all of our trust, all of our hope in you, forgetting that you are coming again and that you are coming soon and that you are coming to claim a bride that is without spot or wrinkle, and forgetting, Jesus, your command that we go into all the world and share the good news that is available to every human being. Lord, forgive us for getting our eyes off of your priorities and help us to have your priority this week as we go from this place today, Lord Jesus. Give us your ears to hear the pain, the need of those around us who maybe has, have lost their hope because it's been misplaced. Lord Jesus, give us your Holy Spirit to speak words of encouragement where they're needed. Lord, we ask you to give us your grace abundantly above and beyond all that we have ever experienced. And Lord, to share it, to overflow through us to those around us who need your grace and your mercy. Father, we ask you to be with our pastor as she is traveling today, and that she will be away for a few days. Lord Jesus, pour out refreshing and renewing of your spirit in her today. Lord, help her to connect with other women who are serving your kingdom purpose in such a way that, Lord Jesus, that the whole place will simply shake with the presence of God. Lord, that you will overpower them in a mighty way, that you will make clear the path that you have prepared for the good deeds that you have prepared for each one. That they will go from that place back to their churches, back to their ministries, where they are serving your kingdom purpose, Lord, renewed and refreshed and on fire for your kingdom purpose. I thank you, Lord, for protecting Darren as he's away from his mom and being with him this week, helping him, Lord, to have a sense of the presence of Almighty God with him wherever he is, renewing his faithfulness and his trust in you, Lord. I thank you. You know, beyond any of our knowledge, what it's like to be separated. Lord, he's separated from his mom, and I ask you to be with him and protect him, Lord, and guard him and guide him as only you can do. And I thank you again, Lord Jesus, that as we go from this place today, we give you permission to be our heart, to be our voice, and to be our eyes and ears, Jesus. Show us the plans and the purposes. Guide us in your work. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I encourage you to go and be the church of Jesus Christ. Share that blessed hope. Don't hold it all to yourself. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to Victor Christian Center's audio podcast. We look forward to connecting with you on our social media or at FCCFMD.com.